You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? My name is Mike. I'll be your host this evening. I am joined by nobody. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the crew back together. So I'm just recording this by myself. Uh, It is National Championship Night for the men's tournament. And because of March Madness and the tournament, I've actually had an idea that I have not jumped at yet. So today seems like the perfect time since it is National Championship Day. I'm going to do a retrospective of all of the bad movies I have watched for the podcast. I'm also going to rate them being the best bad movie, and of course, ending with the worst bad movie that I've seen for the podcast. I'll give you a synopsis of each movie with just a tiny synopsis because you can listen to our episodes. They are all there for you. Subscribe to the podcast, of course. Give us a five-star review. This gets us seen by people. Highly recommend listening to the show because, you know, we talk bad movies and stuff, and you know you want to love us. But of course, first, we jump into What Are You Drinking?, Normally at this time, I have a beer, but for once, uh, I actually have a cocktail. This is a pre-made cocktail from Continuum Distilling, which is in Waterbury, Connecticut. I had a little bit left over from after we moved to North Carolina. If you haven't caught that yet, Claire and I have moved to Charlotte, so we have all of our hosts in different locations across the world. We don't know where T-Dog is. Mitchell lives in LA now with Kelly. And then Andre and Jill are still holding down the fort in Connecticut, and Claire and I are down in Charlotte. Uh, Continuum Distilling, great distillery in Connecticut. If you are in that area, please go check it out. This is their winter old-fashioned. I didn't realize I had a little more left of this, uh, so I am finishing it up tonight while I'm talking bad movies with you, of course, and then watching the basketball game. So, enough about what I'm drinking. I'm going to lay out these 24, yes, I said it, 24 bad movies I've watched for the podcast. Some are movies that I watched solo and told everybody about, and some we watched together, and I have them in my ranking as well. I'm going to go the best bad movies to the worst bad movies. The best bad movies, uh, I might suggest, you never know. Uh, The worst bad movies, stay away as far as you can. So, without further ado, um, let's jump into this retrospective. Number one, our best bad movie that I've watched, it is Fantasy Island. I've made no qualms about this, no bones about it. Uh, Fantasy Island, not a great movie. It definitely loses a lot, especially after you watch it the first time. You don't need to watch it again. Um, There were some obvious things, but basically this is a retread of a TV show that existed in the 70s, I'd like to say where these people go to the island and their biggest, wildest dreams come true. Uh, In this movie, all these people that come to Fantasy Island, their dream comes true and then all of a sudden takes a horrible turn. Uh, Everybody has their own fantasy and they come together to solve the big mystery of the island and they also find out that they're all related somehow. Uh, I gave this one, I think, a 3 out of 5, if I remember correctly. So Fantasy Island actually isn't that bad a movie. Um, It has an amazing cast list, too, I will say. It stars Michael Pena as the owner of the island, uh, Maggie Q, Lucy Hale, and, of course, we have a Jimmy O. Yang appearance. And Michael Rooker's in it, too. So it's not too bad a cast. Uh, It's a very good, mindless movie. If you're looking for something just to turn on in the background, honestly, you could do worse than Fantasy Island. So that is my number one best bad movie. We move now to number two. 
Number two is the scary 1997 Jack Frost. I have to uh, explain that because there is also the Michael Keaton Jack Frost that came out in 1998. This is 97 about a killer snowman. Uh, Basically, it's a serial killer named Jack Frost. Of course, he's named Jack Frost. Uh, He somehow gets into an accident while being transferred from another prison, and he becomes a killer snowman. This one is goofy as hell. Uh, The kills are fantastic if you like scary movies because they're just, they're a little more unique. They're fun. Um, There's not much I can really say about this except for at the end, spoiler alert, he gets dissolved in a bat uh, or in a vat of antifreeze. So that's the kind of level you're going in with. It's very cheesy. It's very hokey. There's some nice ice puns, uh, not in the way of Batman and Robin, but. Still pretty damn good. Uh, Jack Frost, I could easily watch again, especially because it's just dumb. It, it's so much fun to have a drink and laugh at, especially if you can get some friends to watch it with you. Number three, it's not so much the movie on this one because the movie is quite terrible. And honestly, if we hadn't done it the way we did, this movie would probably be further down my list. This was our first movie that we all watched together, and we watched it in the same room. We got drunk and enjoyed it. Tommy Wiseau's The Room. I don't need to say anything about this movie. You know what it's about. Uh, You know the lines. You know the quotes. You know the disaster artist. The Room is an awful movie, but I had such a good time watching it with my friends where we were all in the same place, just sitting on the couch, enjoying a couple drinks, and watching Time Wiseau try to act. Um, this is a favorite of the podcast, because Andre has a great Tommy impersonation, and this is just one that means a lot, honestly. Uh, could I watch it on my own again? No, I really don't think I could, and I'm not going to tell you to do it either. But if you're looking for a movie to watch with some friends that you know is terrible and you plan on getting drunk, holy shit, this is the one to do it. Along those same lines, number four for best bad movie uh, is Steel. Steel comes from the 90s. It is definitely a product of the 90s. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal as a superhero. And that's all I need to say because it's Shaquille O'Neal. Again, it's another one of those movies you know what you're getting. It has Richard Roundtree. It has Shaquille O'Neal in the starring role. Ray J's in it. And Annabeth Gish is the love interest. Plus, Jed Nelson's the bad guy. This movie's terrible. I can't say that enough. Don't watch this movie. Um, But if you are going to get hammered and have a good time watching a cheesy superhero movie before the superhero craze hit, steal is pretty fun. Lots of puns, lots of cheesy dialogue, lots of bad acting from Shaquille O'Neal. You know what you're getting. It's the movie that's on the cover. I mean, let's just face it. Rounding out my top five, that will be the movie Edison, or also known as Edison Force. Um, Supposedly, this is based on a true story, too, which I feel is not correct. Um, If it is based on a true story, it is very much stretched. But this movie has an all-star cast. Uh, Let's go for the lower names first. We have, uh, and by lower names, I mean the people that are 10th, 9th on the list of the stars in this movie. We've got Damian Wayans, 
Rosalind Sanchez, Carrie Elways, John Hurd, Dylan McDermott, and then our top four are LL Cool J, Justin Timberlake, Kevin Spacey, and Morgan Freeman. Uh, this movie was a lot of fun. I actually really recommend this one. This is probably up there because it actually is an okay movie. Justin Timberlake, you can definitely tell this is one of his first movies because he's a little rough around the edges. But the rest of this cast, they're having a great time with it. Dylan McDermott as a sleazy, um, like, bad cop is a blast. Uh, Morgan Freeman and Kevin Spacey kill it, as always, even though Kevin Spacey, again, ugh. Uh, LL Cool J is goofy as hell and a lot of fun. And then Carrie Elways is insane in this movie, which is really great, too. I don't know what to say about this movie. Oh, Piper Parabo's in it, too. I completely forgot about her, too. She's uh, JT's girlfriend slash fiance by the end of the movie. Spoilers. This movie is cheesy as hell. Let me just give you the, the tagline for this movie. Corruption, righteousness, lawless. In this city, only the cops are above the law. Basically, upon discovering a den of corrupt policemen... A fresh-faced journalist, played by Justin Timberlake, makes shaky allies and a jaded reporter, that's Morgan Freeman, and an investigator for a powerful district attorney, Kevin Spacey. Uh, And the police force is called Frat. I wish I could make some kind of joke about that, but really, it's just called Frat. Like, how did they not guess this is what was going to happen? And yet, I was hanging on their every word because of how cheesy and stupid it was. So I highly recommend Edison. This is probably the only one on this list that I actually highly recommend watching. I don't know what happened with it. I don't know why it got pushed to the side. But truthfully, there's a lot worse that you can do. Next up on the list, this makes up our 6 through 10. 6, Santa with Muscles, Hulk Hogan as a gym owner slash product pusher of supplements. Uh, gets hit on the head, forgets who he is, and becomes Santa to save an orphanage. It also has a very young Mila Kunis. Um, Santa with Muscles, ridiculous movie. The executive producer is Jordan Belfort. Uh, Yes, the guy that Wolf of Wall Street is based on. So you can only imagine where this goes. It was in the 80s. Yeah, this movie would be okay. This movie made it to the 90s somehow. It's just everything you get on the tin. Nothing about it is life-changing uh there's exploding crystals that happens underneath an orphanage that's in a church yeah this is exactly what it sounds like santa with muscles number seven comes from the asylum it's avengers grim avengers grim one of the few things that it has going for it is it has lou ferrigno as iron john this was probably my favorite part of the whole thing was just seeing lou ferrigno in this movie Plus, Casper Van Dyne is Stiltskin as well. This is basically the Asylum making their own Avengers movie, but using fairy tale grim characters like Snow White and Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and Rapunzel. Oh my god, this movie. Um, it's an Asylum movie. You're not expecting gold with it. Just enjoy the fact that it's just a sheer ripoff. There is also a sequel that... Probably is going to happen at some time in the near future. Avengers Grimm Time Wars. So great. We're going to have time travel on that one. Looking forward to that one. 
Number eight, this is the shortest one on my list. Uh, in 2020, there was a little short film that got released. It is a Christmas Lifetime movie. If you are excited for those kind of movies, this is one for you. It premiered in 2020. It stars Mario Lopez, and it was made with Kentucky Fried Chicken. It is a recipe for seduction. It's like 10 to 15 minutes long. It is the story of a young heiress who struggles to choose between a wealthy suitor chosen by her mother and the new house chef, Harlan Sanders, who, of course, has the perfect recipe for fried chicken. Basically, all of it takes place around the dinner table uh, through several nights and this strange love affair between the young heiress and Mario Lopez's Colonel Sanders. I don't know what I expected with this one. I was just excited to see this uh, KFC short film that's a Christmas Lifetime movie. It's just a big ad for KFC. It is so worth it. Oh, find it on the internet because it's stupid and it's cheesy and it's everything ridiculous. If you like KFC, you're going to hate KFC. If you don't like KFC, you're going to continue to not like KFC. It's just so dumb. Number nine, a recipe for seduction was a Christmas movie. So let's go to a Valentine's movie for my number nine. It is Vampire Boys that you guys voted for on Twitter at Game for a Movie. You voted for us to watch Vampire Boys on Valentine's Day instead of some of the other classics like the Hottie and the Naughty and some other classics that I can't remember off the top of my head because it's been almost two years since Vampire Boys, which is so strange. Vampire Boys, we have a Vampire Boys 1 and a Vampire Boys 2 episode on the podcast that Mitchell watched. But Vampire Boys 1 is a gay love story about a vampire and a young man who doesn't know if he wants to be a vampire. It is awful. Terrible. But you can enjoy yourself watching this one. Vampire Boys is from 2011, and it looks like really it should have been something from, I don't know, the 90s, because it has a haze filter across the entire film, it feels like. Definitely could have been a studio film. Trivia about Vampire Boys, uh, it won an award at the 2011 Fresno Film Festival for Best Gay Vampire Film. So there you go. Um, If you... Want to watch the 2011 Fresno Film Festival's Best Gay Vampire Film? Vampire Boys is right up your alley. (laughs) Sticking with the indie projects and movies that we watched for holidays in particular, I watched this one uh, for Halloween. This is number 10, Oh Zombie. (sighs) I've noticed a lot of my movies at the top here. What they really are is movies that just understood the assignment. They are what they are. Jack Frost, Santa with Muscles, Avengers Grimm, Vampire Boys, Osambi, A Recipe for Seduction. Like All of these movies are exactly what they said they wanted to be. This one knows what it is. It's about Osama bin Laden becoming a zombie and turning the Taliban into zombies too. And basically, a yoga instructor trying to find her conspiracy theory brother. I mean, this movie. This movie, this movie, this movie. Um, The characters are ridiculous. The storyline, insane. Yet, you just have a fun time laughing at all of these characters. 
with names like Chip, Tomboy, Joker, DC, Chapo. Like, these are the worst names. Oh, there's also Herc, Whiskey, Thunder, Bravo, like all these people. Um, it knew what it was. It completely understood the assignment. It was supposed to be a goofy movie about Osama bin Laden being a zombie. Obviously, with talking about real people and real people that created atrocities like Osama bin Laden, some things you just aren't meant to laugh at. But this one, at least, it tried to be something you laugh at and the fact that it's just ridiculous. Along the same lines as Osambi, we've got number 11. It is another Asylum film. I think it is the last one on our list from Asylum, but it is Atlantic Rim. Atlantic Rim, of course, is a parody of Pacific Rim. Basically, instead of fighting monsters on the Pacific side, they're fighting monsters on the Atlantic side. There's bad CGI. It is cheap looking. It is a much smaller budget. The only big name is Graham Greene. And even then, you're going, who is that guy? He's the guy from Twilight. Oh, okay, now I get who you're talking about. Yeah, that's Atlantic Rim, pretty much in a nutshell. Um, these movies here, because we're at number 11, these are the ones that are just your average run-of-the-mill bad movies. The problem is with some of these movies that they're just boring. They don't do anything wrong or bad, it's just... They don't do anything. They don't make you feel anything. Atlantic Rim, I didn't care about these characters. In fact, I was cheering for one of them to die at the hand of one of these monsters. So that just goes to show you what this movie was. Talking about monsters, we come to our number 12. It is the failed starter for the Dark Universe 2017's The Mummy. The biggest thing that this movie did wrong was announced that it was starting a new cinematic universe. Obviously, this starred Tom Cruise, Sophia Boutella, Russell Crowe. We had Jake Johnson, Courtney B. Vance. A lot of big names to throw into this movie because they wanted to get off the ground running and make this dark universe. Problem is, they forgot to make a good movie before they started the universe. The best part of this movie is the beginning. And then after you think Tom Cruise is dead, that's basically where this movie goes downhill. And the biggest sin that it commits is it's just boring for a long stretch of it. Obviously, having Russell Crowe as Henry Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, I actually think is a good casting, surprisingly. Um, I think that would have been fun to see in more movies. The problem is, like I said, they announced that it was going to be a universe before this one even did anything. And I think that's what killed it. Truthfully, it's not an awful movie. It's just not great and you can watch it you can get something from it it kills a couple hours you don't feel too bad at the end of it going eh that was fine i don't really care but that's it it doesn't do anything remarkable it doesn't do anything exciting and starting with something called the mummy i think it just compares itself too much to a much more beloved franchise because everyone knows that brendan frazier is so much better than tom cruise person wise and everything wise. So that's the first 12 of the 24 bad movies that I've watched for this podcast. Have you seen any of these movies? Please jump on in in the conversation at Game for a Movie on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We even have a TikTok. Just follow us wherever you can follow us. We love it. Uh, it really means a lot to us as indie podcasters. Truthfully, 
when you give to a big podcaster, you may feel like a number. When you come to us, we truly love it. I have looked at every review we've ever gotten. I've looked at every follower we have. I have tried to reach out to some other indie podcasters. We truly love it, and we cannot be more grateful for everybody that listens to us, that joins us, that communicates with us. Truthfully, you all are amazing, and we love you dearly. So thank you guys very much for being a part of this journey with us. Um, Can't say enough about it. I know, you're here to hear me talk about bad movies. You don't want to hear me gush about how great you are, which you are. You're amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. I believe in you, and you can do anything you put your mind to. Cool. Let's get to the second half of the list. These are some of the worst of the worst. Another one that we watched together, and this one was through uh, Netflix Party at the beginning of the pandemic when we didn't know if there was going to be new movies. If we didn't know, we could talk about movies. We've done a lot of that still. Number 13 on my list is China Salesman. This was a complete accident that we found this movie. Like a complete, complete accident. Basically, here's the synopsis before I tell you why this movie was chosen to watch in the first place. A Chinese IT company representative attempts to spoil a conspiracy to start a civil war in an African country orchestrated by a European businessman who is aided by a tough African warrior. Yeah. How does that sound? Does it sound great? It shouldn't, because it really wasn't. Um, The only reason this movie was chosen is because of the cover art, and also because it had a different name. It's Deadly Contract for some other places, but China Salesman is its real name. The cover has two action stars, and it pits them against each other. It is Mike Tyson versus Steven Seagal. That's right. Mike Tyson versus Steven Seagal. Everything about that screams bad movie fun. So we decided to watch it. Yeah, that fight happens in the first 20 minutes. It's done after that. Doesn't happen again. Um, It's awful. It is a terrible movie. The first 20 minutes, well worth it just because it is ridiculous to have a battle between Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal. Including, in the opening credits, they spell Steven Seagal's name wrong. Just to give you how bad this is. I don't know how to describe this movie. They advertised it completely as Mike Tyson versus Steven Seagal. And I'm giving it I'm giving it the first 20 minutes. It really is the first 5 minutes. And then they don't come back in the movie besides maybe one or two characters. It is absolutely ridiculous. It's mayhem. It's craziness. It's dumb. It's everything about... IT work in the middle of a war. (laughs) That's the best way I can describe it, because basically the day was saved by putting up routers. It's not exactly like that, but pretty much that's exactly what it is. So number 13, I will say, is related to number 14. Number 14, let me just read this cast list and you tell me how it fails. We've got Michael Fassbender, Will Arnett, Michael Shannon, John Malkovich, Megan Fox, and Josh Brolin. Yes, it is Jonah Hex, the DC superhero that doesn't actually have powers in the comics, but for some reason, they decided to give him powers for the screen. He comes back from the dead. He has one foot in the grave, one foot not in the grave. 
He needs to stop John Malkovich from essentially using Dragon Balls to destroy the world. And yes, they are really Dragon Balls because they're just orange glowing cannonballs. Um, they look exactly like Dragon Balls. Michael Fassbender is the best part of this by far because you can tell he just goes completely unhinged bad guy. Everything about this movie was ridiculous. We watched this together. I have it on DVD for some reason. I don't know why, but somehow, someway, I have this on DVD. And I'm just going to read you a little bit of a trivia about this. During the duration of filming, Josh Brolin could only shave half his beard to accommodate the prosthetic on the other side of his face. So this meant that he spent several months walking around with only half a beard on his face. And I love that picture. Um, He also apparently broke John Malkovich's thumb during a scene when they were fighting. This movie had a red room. This movie... What can you say about a love sequence between Josh Berlin and Megan Fox at this point? It's just creepy. And John Malkovich was boring as the villain, which is the exact worst kind of John Malkovich. John Malkovich, I love having unhinged. Um, The John Malkovich in Red, the movie Red, would be the villain I would have had for Jonah Hex instead. It doesn't do anything necessarily wrong, but it doesn't do anything necessarily right either. It's just middle of the road, boring. After you're done, you're going to completely forget this movie. It also shocks me that that movie came out in 2010 because I feel like that movie came out a lot earlier. We've got a fun one for number 15. This is our unaired episode. Unfortunately, somehow, someway, my old computer decided that it was going to get rid of this entire episode that we did. We had a full episode recorded on this movie. It is called Dragon Ball Evolution. Uh, If you've ever seen Dragon Ball Z, you're not going to like Dragon Ball Evolution. It has one of the cheesiest fight scenes. It has a terrible Lord Piccolo. All the characters are basically whitewashed. I can't say enough bad about this movie because they just did not understand the actual property they, they they were adapting. And one of the things that they didn't get right, even though I love Chow Yun-Fat, and he was actually really good in this role, he was Master Roshi, and he just doesn't look old, which is great for him because he was born in 1955. Chow Yun-Fat looks amazing for his age, just so we're all clear. But Dragon Ball Evolution, I have nothing nice to say about it. Uh, We had a very good conversation on that episode, and I wish you could hear more about it. Um, But it's just my computer ate it and never let it go. Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh my gosh, this one, I really wish that episode would have stuck around because honestly, I think you guys would have enjoyed that episode a lot. We might still come back to it once we've forgotten about it because I don't want to watch that movie ever again anytime soon. But if we've forgotten about it and we want to watch it again sometime in the near future, maybe we will. Dragon Ball Evolution falls at my number 15 on the list, which brings us to 16. Dragon Ball Evolution thought it was doing something right. Number 16 knew it was not doing anything right, and it was going to be low. Uh, That's Tsunambi. Tsunambi was very low quality. Terrible CGI of the Tsunambis, which is really a wasp tornado. They just wanted the pun on this one, which drives me even more insane about this. It devolved into a Christian movie, which is fine if that's your agenda and everything like that, but... 
at least market it that way because I went in expecting a movie about bees killing people and I got a movie about bees killing people that aren't repentant to their souls. Oh man, I, I just, I don't know where to begin with this one and I really should probably have it lower on the list, but there's just so many more bad movies coming. Tsunami is everything bad about B-horror movies. Um, B-horror movies can be fun. Sharknado is a blast. Tsunami is not. It is something you never want to bring near anyone ever again. I do not recommend this movie for anyone. That's all I got for it. I really don't have any more. I can't talk about this movie anymore because truthfully, no one should see this movie. My 17 and 18 movies are basically the same kind of movie it is Bratz and then Crimes of Fashion. Basically, both of these are teen girl dramas, coming-of-age stories. Bratz, about your favorite Bratz dolls as real human beings. Yes, that's Bratz with a Z. Basically, getting broken up at high school, and they have to discover, rediscover the power of friendship to get over the mean click. Crimes of Fashion stars Kaylee Cuoco and Megan Fox. It is a made-for-TV movie that aired on ABC Family, which is now Freeform, of course. Kaylee Cuoco is attending Fashion University to learn how to become a fashion designer when her grandfather dies and leaves her in charge of the mafia. I wish I was joking about that one. Both of these movies, I think why they fall at 17 and 18 are they are exactly what you expect. They are extremely predictable in every shape and way. You know what's going to happen, A to Z. I can tell you right now the entirety of the Bratz movie, even if I've never seen it before. Crimes of Fashion 2. The only thing I'll say about Crimes of Fashion is that it looked lower budget. That's why it fell to 18 instead of 17. And 17, John Voigt played the principal, and he looked like he was being held at gunpoint the entire time for the Bratz movie. So, yeah. And Bratz, I can also tell you... One of my favorite things about this is that one of the people that was supposed to choreograph everything and do the fashion design for it uh, was Paula Abdul, and she got let go during the process. So, uh, yeah, that's a fun little fun fact about that one. 19 comes from Italy. It is Leo the Lion, an animated film. I don't have very many animated films on here. Maybe, maybe that's what we need to go down, the road of bad animation. So really, I think that's my only bad animation movie. Huh. Okay, so Leo the Lion is the story of a vegetarian lion that has to get a baby elephant back to her mother. He also needs to become leader of the pride because he has been betrayed by his brother. (sighs) I need a second on this one. I absolutely need a second on this one. The whole purpose of this movie was to tell you that vegetarianism is great. It's good. And though that lifestyle is not for me, I don't judge anybody that does it. I understand why you do it. I am very much a carnivore when it comes to certain things. The issue is you can take that stance in a movie. You can. But don't make your main character, who is a vegetarian, look like he's dying. Leo the Lion is obviously malnourished according to this animation that they have you can see his ribs half the time it just does not make sense why make him look good make it change the other lion's colors to look a little less bright or something like that make leo the star 
you made him the good guy, but you also made him look like he's going to die any second. And so vegetarianism is not the way to go. I just don't get this. I don't get its point. I don't get its message. And the songs are awful. The animation's terrible. The Rasta monkey singing at the end. Kill Me Now reminded me of this movie. And this was the second movie I watched for the podcast, the bad movie. Uh, second bad movie I watched for the podcast. And I still have so many bad memories of this one. That's how bad this movie was. I can still fully see it and understand that this was a terrible, terrible movie that should never have existed. We're getting to the end. This is the final five. Number 20, All About Steve. Yes, the movie that stars Sandra Bullock, where she won the Razzie for Worst Actress the same year she won the Best Actress Academy Award for The Blind Side. All About Steve is about a girl who is obsessed with Steve, the meteorologist. Steve is, of course, played by Bradley Cooper. It has Ken Jeong. <sighs> this movie. This, this movie. One of my biggest things is if it was gender swapped, this would be creepy as hell. But the other thing is that you don't want to root for Sandra Bullock in this movie. And that's the way it's written. And I'm sure she's doing the best she can because Sandra Bullock is a great actress. That's not in question. There's no reason why we should think otherwise. Speed 2 was standing because Speed 2 was terrible. And I never watched Speed 2 for the podcast, so it is not on this list. But trust me, that would be towards this end. It might be after all about Steve. I don't know. Um... It's just a weird premise. You don't cheer for her at all. You don't like her. She's just a weird girl that is supposed to come off as manic pixie, pretty much. Uh, and you're supposed to like this pixie girl because she's so kind to everybody. And she's such a good person. And she makes you feel good things. But she just comes across as annoying. She comes across as needy. And she comes across as virtually obsessed in every sense of the word with this guy she went on one date with stalker much i mean that's that's all i can say about this movie that's why all about steve slips down here i'm sorry sandra bullock it's not your fault well it kind of is but it's not your fault with the writing at least number 21 another movie we all watch together it's transylvania transylvania is ridiculous the best joke being about slamming weed into your asshole i wish i could say that in a nicer way but no you have to have this picture in your head like i do a weed dildo goes into somebody's asshole that is the best way i can describe transylvania it's lame jokes it's sexist it's it's just awful um everything about transylvania deserves all the hate it gets um I just am still shocked. We talked about this over and over. The two guys that star in it that wrote it also has written the Sonic the Hedgehog and Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movies. And it's just completely different things. I don't understand. It's the same level of humor, probably, because it's just juvenile humor. But at the same time, like, how do you make a hit like that and also make this bad a movie? It all has all your bad stereotypes of Transylvania movies, vampires, and Frankenstein's monster, and just dumb. Dumb. There's nothing smart about it. Nothing at all. The last three. The worst of the worst. I don't know if anybody's going to question this one. Uh, anybody's going to question this list. I don't know. Maybe. 
But number 22 is Cats. Oh, Cats. What the fuck was with this movie? What happened to this movie? The half-done CGI, the creepy humans that are wearing makeup and hair and cat costumes that aren't completely done with their human hands. The bad songs, the bad acting, the bad choreography, the bad direction, just everything about it. And to top it all off, the worst part of this movie, the worst sin it did was have James Corden in it and Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson can be okay. She can be all right. But the issue with this movie is that they let James Corden and Rebel Wilson be too over the top, too crazy. Um, And the stuff behind the scenes about how they were editing this movie to the last second, there's the butthole cut, apparently, which I don't understand how there's a butthole cut of anything. And the fact that... um, Jason Derulo's upset because his cat penis was too small and he has a huge penis. Like all of these things just add up to a terrible movie, no matter how you cut it. I don't get how anybody thought this was a good idea. I'm looking at you, Tom Hooper. This just doesn't make sense. And especially some of these things I'm seeing on your filmography that you've directed. The King's Speech was excellent. How the hell did the guy who did the King's Speech and Les Miserables, which is a great adaptation, I'd say... How did that person create this monstrosity? Luckily, the thing that I can say is that there's no future projects in his future. This is the last movie he did. And truthfully, he deserved it. Tom Hooper, if you're wondering what happened to your career, Cats, just look at Cats. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be cruel or hard on anybody, but... This Cats movie is enough of a death sentence that I don't think he should direct anything ever again. There you go. I know. Sorry, Tom Hooper. Sorry, buddy. But this was just too much. This was awful. Speaking of awful, a movie I've talked about several times on this podcast, number 24. Uh, It just recently got surpassed as the worst movie I have done. And I, I, it's really weird because Yoga Hosers was one of our early episodes and our last movie is one of our it's our most recent episode besides this one so yoga hosers is our bad movie 24 kevin smith directed kevin smith's daughter starring johnny depp's daughter starring and johnny depp starring nazi sausages um i've talked about this movie over and over and over again The reason I hate this movie the most is not because it's a bad movie. It's because it was made out of spite. Truthfully, with the Nazi sausages and with understanding this movie as just a bad movie that a director screwed up on, I may be able to forgive a lot of it. It wouldn't be at the top of my list, but maybe it'd be at 16 instead of 23. The reason I hate this movie is because he made this movie because somebody called him at a Comic-Con a yoga hoser. That is, that's it. That's what happened. Somebody called him a yoga hoser, and he decided he was going to make a movie in spite of that person. And this movie is completely made with spite. You can tell it's terrible. Basically, he just did this because he could. And truthfully, this movie... This movie is the one that if you ever ask me what movie I highly recommend you never, ever, 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 ever watch, it's Yoga Hosers. I don't think that's ever going to change. I really don't. I thought it was always going to be the worst of the worst for me as well. 
That got surpassed recently. I bring you the last and final movie of the bad movies I've watched for this podcast, the worst of the worst, Life Without Dick. Life Without Dick, Sarah Jessica Parker, Harry Connick Jr., we've got Craig Ferguson, and we've got Johnny Knoxville. This cast wasn't that bad. I mean, Harry Connick Jr., whatever you can say about his acting career. Craig Ferguson's a bit part. Johnny Knoxville and Sarah Jessica Parker should have been the ones holding up this movie, and Sarah Jessica Parker was probably the worst. And Johnny Knoxville was written awfully, and he, when a character is written well, Johnny Knoxville can take it down a little bit, don't get me wrong, but he doesn't lose it. This one was written so poorly that Johnny Knoxville taking it down even further was just awful. Life Without Dick is boring. It's predictable. It's not funny. And truthfully, it's just something that nobody should have to watch. And it's a TV movie for a reason. There's a reason no one picked this one up and said, yeah, we're going to make this a feature film debut that goes to the theaters. I can't believe that it's past Yoga Hosers. I just can't. I I thought for sure that Yoga Hosers would constantly be the worst. But this one just did it. It was written and directed by the same person. There's just nothing funny about it. There's nothing good about it. I think it's exactly right what some of the reviews say about Life Without Dick. is It's just awkward from the beginning. And that's what is so tough about it, is awkward acting makes it feel stilted. It makes it feel just terrible. It doesn't ever connect, and it doesn't ever feel right. Harry Connick Jr. and Sarah Jessica Parker just don't mesh, so I don't believe their love story in the first place. Uh, Johnny Knoxville and Sarah Jessica Parker don't mesh, so again, another love story I I don't believe. Craig Ferguson is just a bit role for bits that don't hit. And to be a hitman that doesn't kill people and this girl just finds a liking for it and decides to help him so that he can sing and start his career as a singer. I mean, come on. What are we doing here? What are we doing? That's all I can say about Life Without Dick. I really, I I don't want to shit on this movie any more than I have already, but that's just what it is. So yeah, if you're thinking I'm being too harsh on these movies, I probably am. I'm probably splitting hairs because I need to rank them one through 24. Um, that being said, I do enjoy watching bad movies for your pleasure. Uh, I don't like that. I do it as often as I do. I'd like some of the other people to, but you know, this is what we do. I love this podcast. I love doing it for you. So I'll continue watching bad movies as long as you guys continue listening. If there's some bad movies you'd like me to do at Game for a Movie, you can find us everywhere. Tweet us. Let us know. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter as well where we talk about all kinds of movies. We also do good movie episodes as well where we talk about certain movies. Um, I have a couple movies that I have stacked up that I could talk to you about that's not bad movies. So I may do that in the future episode shortly. But yeah, that's our episode of Game for a Movie where we ask, are you game for a movie? I have been Mike, your host. I will see you next time on Game for a Movie.